Thank you for downloading and listening to sermons from First Baptist Narrows. We pray that this podcast would help you love Christ with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. God bless. It is not my usual style or method to preach Mother's Day sermons on Mother's Day and Father's Day on Father's Day. And, but this week I've really been meditating a lot about the gratefulness that I have for all you moms and what you've done with your kids because you've done a remarkable job, I think. I love these children. I sit down up here and they all come and give me a hug. And even the ones that have not been here before, when they see the others giving me a hug, they come and give me a hug. And I'm grateful for that. I really am because I love them with all my heart. But I kind of want to speak to the ladies in the church this morning for a few minutes, if you'll permit me. You guys can listen. (laughs) Mom is an interesting word. My mother is 93, and a whole lot of who I am came from her. She has a tremendous sense of humor, and I picked that up. I wasn't born with it. Mom can always make you laugh, and she's very clever. She can always think of something to say. I'm not sure I picked that up from her because I think of what I would have liked to have said a day later. Anybody else like that? Why didn't I say this? Why didn't I say that? But I want to use the Bible this morning and challenge you moms, quote unquote, parents, and address this question. What does my child really need from me? I started to do an illustration this morning, but... I was busy this week and didn't do it. I was going to set two empty jars up here and tell you those were your children. They're born into the world fairly empty. They may inherit some physical traits and they may inherit some personality traits, but their head is empty and their heart is empty when they're given to you by Almighty God and what you put in there determines the end result. Now that's an awesome responsibility, isn't it? It's an awesome thing to say, God has given me a child and trusted me to raise it. I found in Proverbs some great verses about moms. didn't specifically say moms, but it did refer to her and her children. I want to kind of read those this morning. And then we want to talk about what it's like to realize that God from heaven is watching how you impact your children. In Proverbs, the last chapter of the book of Proverbs, I'm not going to read the whole chapter about a woman, but I'm going to read some of it. Verse 10 says, Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. Verse 11, The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so he shall have no need of spoil. Verse 12, She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Verse 20, 
26. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. Verse 30. Favor is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. Actually, the future of our church is in the hands of our mothers. Did you know that? You realize that? This church, the future of this nation is in the hands of our mothers. Now, guys, I'm not diminishing your role as a parent. I'm not diminishing the role that you play in the lives of your kids. You're challenged by God to be the spiritual leader of the home, and that's fine. I hope you're playing that role. But by and large, it's the mom that has the most influence on the offspring. God set it up that way. Somebody said years ago, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Napoleon Bonaparte, who wasn't known for making good decisions, made this statement, the future is in the hands of the mothers. And he was right. The existence of the work of God in this place is so dependent upon the moms, so very dependent upon how you interact and how you pour into the lives of your kids that determines how they're going to be when they reach positions of leadership in the house of God. Now, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just saying that's your heavenly Father's trust that He's put in you. That's God saying to you, I believe in you. I believe that if I give you a child, you'll give me back someone just like that story in 1 Samuel. Wonderful story about a mom. Hannah had no children. Her husband had children by another wife, but Hannah had no children. She was barren. They went to the house of the Lord, and Hannah was praying so hard that she was weeping and almost in, in tears. She was in tears, and her mouth was moving, but no words were coming out. Eli was the priest, and he looked at her and thought she was drunk. He said, Woman, put off the wine. She said, I've not drunk any wine. My soul is troubled. I don't have any kids, and I was asking God. And here's what she said to God. If you'll give me a man-child, I'll give him back to you. If you'll give me a child, I'll give him back to you. And Eli said, well, go thy way in peace and let God answer your prayers. Sometime after that, Hannah had a son. And when the husband and the other kids got ready to go back up to the temple, she said, I won't go until I've weaned this child. Now, she had a plan. And he said, all right. So she stayed there until the child was weaned. Then she took him to the house of the Lord. And she kept her promise. She said to Eli the priest, here he is. You can have him. Let him serve God in the temple. I've lent him to the Lord. Now, now listen to the word. I've lent him to the Lord, and he shall serve the Lord in this house. Samuel was a young man. 
There, the Word of God was precious in those days. There hadn't been a prophet in years for Israel. Samuel was a young man lying on his bed after he served the Lord all day long. And someone called his name. And he jumped up and ran into Eli's room and said, Here I am, Father. Why'd you call me? He said, I didn't call you. Go back, go back and lay down. He went back and laid down. Heard the voice of the Lord again. Jumped up and ran into Eli's room. I'm here. Why'd you call me? I did not call you. Go back and lay down. Finally, God spoke and said, Samuel, I've chosen you as a prophet. Two books in the Bible about Samuel. Because his mother said, Lord, if you'll answer my prayer, I'll give you my child. I wonder how many women in America pray that hard for their kids. I believe we have some of the greatest moms that I've ever experienced in my ministry. I believe we have moms who pray for their children. I believe we have moms who would rather their children go into the ministry than be drafted by an NFL or Major League Baseball team. When the governor of Wisconsin years ago was appointed governor, someone said to his mother, this has got to be the proudest day of your life. She said, oh no, the proudest day of my life is when he joined the church and was saved. So I'm going to share with you this morning for just a few minutes some things your child needs from you. First of all, they need for you to love the Lord. They need for you to passionately love Jesus. Why? Because if you don't, they won't. If you don't love the Lord, if you don't create that, that warmth between you and the Lord so that they can see it, and mimic it so that they can understand the importance of Jesus Christ in our life. There's no other person, there is no other name under heaven that is so important to pass on to your children. But you cannot pass on a love for Christ you do not have. And so it's important that you love Jesus. It's going to be important in the development of that child. Why? Because they need to love Jesus in order to be saved. And you do want your children saved. You do want them to be in heaven with you. I know you do. I know you want your grandchildren to be in heaven with you. I know it's important to you that your family is gathered there. Will the circle be unbroken? It was an old song we used to sing. By and by, Lord, by and by, will the circle. Will our family circle be gathered in heaven? Well, it's in our hands. They need for you to love Jesus. And if you don't love him enough, you need to love him more. They need to know that you love Jesus. Billy Sunday, the great evangelist, went to visit a home one time and a little child answered the door and he asked to speak to his mother. He said, you cannot see my mother because between 9 and 10 o'clock every day she shuts herself up in the room and prays for her family. They need for you to love Jesus. It's going to be important to them. It's going to be part of their development. It's going to be part of whether they stay in church or whether they drift out into the world. The first commandment, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and all thy strength will come from you, Mom. They need to know you love the Lord. They need to know you love the church. They need to know you love to pray. 
The second thing they need from you is they need for you to create a home. John Hagee wrote a book, and the title of the book was, Is There a Family in Your House? Sometimes anymore in our culture, all we have is a living arrangement. One's coming in the front door, one's going out the back door. We never know when we're going to eat. We never know when we're going to sleep. It's just sort of a revolving door. And that's the way the family is. But if, if there's a home there, those kids need a home. They need something solid in their life. Why? Because when they listen to the news and when they look at the world, it's changing so fast. Who can keep up with it? I love the little boy's statement. Somebody said, what's home? He said, home is when you go there, they have to take you in. I'm telling you, folks, we need a home. I remember as a child, we had a home. There were some things my parents never thought that they were doing a great work when they did this, but we had a home. We knelt in prayer every night before we went to bed. Dad read some portion of the Bible, and we knelt in prayer. We had a home that if I got hurt, if I, if I got disappointed, if I got my feelings hurt, I wanted to go home. Why? Because they'd made a home for me. But old enough, and uh, we milked cows. How many of you have ever milked a cow? Did you like it? I didn't either. We had a grade A dairy farm in Carroll County, and we milked a lot of cows. And I said to myself, if I get old enough, I'm never going to milk another cow. And I've kept that promise. I've never even been tempted. Wait a minute. I was in Vermont the other day, and they had this big old concrete plastic cow, and Connie took a picture of me milking that cow. But I never got any milk. When I got me a car and I got me a job, my brother had already left home. Dad had sold the dairy farm, or sold the cows, had the farm, but uh, well, he didn't have enough help out of us boys. David had gone off up somewhere in... New Jersey or something to work for General Motors. I had me a car and I had me a little money and I ran away from home. I wanted to get out there and see what, and I drove all night long through Washington, D.C. and Maryland and I, it wasn't as bad then as it is now, but here's a young 18-year-old kid in a 56 Chevrolet driving during the night and I drove till I was so tired that I was just driving back and forth on the same stretch of highway. I was lost. I'd go over to that hill and turn around and come back over to this hill. And the state police, New Jersey state troopers, sat there and watched me do that for a while. And finally, he pulled me over. And I rolled down the window and he said, Son, I've been watching you go to that hill and that hill back and forth. He said, I'm going to give you some orders right now. He said, You pull over right here in this wide place and you lay down and take you a nap. And when you wake up, you go home. And that's exactly what I did. I never did find my brother in New Jersey. I told him about it later. He said, well, I, I should have told me it's coming. I told you how to get there. I didn't know where the GM plant was or nothing, but I went home. I called my mom on the way home, stopped at a phone booth, and I said, Mom, she said, are you coming home? I said, yep. Then I hung up. Ladies, you need to create a home for your child. 
I don't mean a place to live. I don't mean a place to sleep. I don't mean a place to eat or a place to play video games or a place to watch TV all day. I mean a home where that child has something solid that'll last the rest of his life. God has placed them in your care for you to create a home for them. The third thing that your child needs from you is they need your prayers. They need your prayers. Susanna Wesley had 17 children. Imagine that if you can. The first church I ever pastored, I had a family in the church with the last name of Hilton, and they had 19 children, 17 of them still living. Most of them had reached adulthood. But Savannah Wesley had 17 children. And they said that she spent two hours each day on her knees praying for her children. Moms, God will hear your prayers. Do you know why? Because he knows you mean it when it comes to your kids. He knows you're sincere when you're praying for those you love the most. They need your prayers. Are you praying for your children? By the way, God answered Susanna Wesley's prayer. Two of her sons, you know very well, Wesleyan Church is named after them, and they turned the world basically upside down with great revivals because of mama's prayers. Another mother was praying for her kids. And she came to the pastor and she said, my kids aren't saved. I don't know why they're not saved. I prayed for them, and I've even shared the gospel with them, and I don't see any conviction on their part. And he said, have you cried and prayed all night? And she said, no, I haven't done that. He said, well, you're not that concerned about them until you've cried and prayed all night for your kids. She went home that night and cried and prayed all night, and at the breakfast table, both of them got saved. Your kids need your prayers. They're going to set priorities in their life. They're going to determine what's most important for them as they develop. They don't, they're not born into the world with that. Uh, moms, aren't you glad your child wasn't born with a baseball bat in his hand? They don't have priorities. They're going to get those. They're going to determine what's important to them. They're going to determine the direction that their lives go. You, you try to direct them but it's not what you tell them. It's what you show them. It's what they know from watching you live in front of them that's going to determine them. They need your prayers. You need to cry out to God for your kids. They need your patience because they're not perfect. Moms say funny stuff, don't they? I brought you into this world. I can take you out. If you keep on crying, I'll give you something to cry for. If you keep making that face, it'll freeze like that. They try your patience. But you know what will win them 
to a good life and being patient with them. The patience of the Lord with us determines how much we love Him. We are so grateful that He's patient with us. His mercy, we call it. David was so overwhelmed by God's mercy because, see, David sinned and committed murder by proxy and adultery and, and everything you can do to reject the commandments of God. And, and God forgave him. He cried out to God and said, Forgive me my sin. I always think about it. And create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. And God was faithful to do that. And he sat down and wrote a psalm that said, For his mercy endureth forever. And every time he said another thought, for his mercy endureth forever. Merciful to me, a sinner. Parents, be merciful to your kids. Be patient with them. They're not what they're going to be yet. And they're going to fall and they're going to make mistakes. And you still got to be the parent. And you still, they, they don't need a buddy. They'll have a buddy at school. They need a parent. They need somebody to guide them and direct them. So many kids today are so out of control. Read this story a few years ago. A pastor went to visit, and a little boy was running in and out, slamming the door. His mother said, please, Johnny, don't do that. Out the door, he'd slam it, and in the door, he'd slam it. Finally, the preacher said, can I try? And he bent down and whispered in Johnny's ear, and Johnny went over and politely closed the door real softly and sat down. And the mother said, Preacher, what in the world did you say to him? He said, I said, you slam that door one more time, I'll take my belt off. <laughs> there was a little girl screaming and kicking in a buggy at Walmart because her mom wouldn't buy her a toy. And I said, I can stop that. And she took her buggy to another aisle. <laughs> Wasn't interested in my help. They need a parent to be patient with them and to be proud of them. When they do something right, they need praise from you. God has trusted you with his greatest work. Imagine this church. I believe Jesus is coming soon, but if imagine, imagine that Jesus doesn't come in the next 25 years. Who's going to be doing the preaching? Who's going to be doing the praying? Who's going to be teaching the Sunday school classes? Who's going to be working with the kids? Who's going to be running the Awana program? I hope it's still Susan. She's young enough to do that in 25 years. But what you're determining now is what's going to happen as a mom. I challenge you. Be the best mom you can be. As soon as this service is over, I'm heading to Galax. I'm going to tell my mom I love her. I'm going to take her out to eat wherever she wants to go, even if I don't like it. I'm going to give her one of these roses. Because it may be my last Mother's Day with her at her age or at, with my health. I don't know. But I'm grateful. People say, you remember so well. You remember all these songs and everything. Can I tell you why? Mama used to sit down and read stuff to me and ask me to remember it. 
Listen, my children, you shall hear the midnight ride of Paul Revere, the 18th of April, 75. Hardly a man is now alive who remembers that famous date and year. You want me to go on? Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered weak and weary, over many quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore, while I nodded nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping, as of someone gently rapping, rapping on my college door. Tis the wind, said I, nothing more. You want me to go on? You know where I got that? From Mama. And if you, your mom is still alive, and if you don't let her know how much you love and appreciate her today, shame on you. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, sometimes we are overwhelmed by your love for us, by your trust in us, Every time a child is born, it's as if you're saying you still believe in us. You still trust us. We have a brand new baby. Mom, I, I just thank you for the mom. I thank you for mamas everywhere. Thank you, God, this morning that we can get closer to you and draw others with us. Forgive us of our sins this morning, Lord, for their many. Help us to be gracious, patient, forgiving, and kind. Again, thank you for downloading and listening to sermons from First Baptist Narrows. If you have any questions or comments, our contact information are in the notes below. God bless.